Uh, I want you to get your Bible again this morning. We're going to get into the Word of God together. Again, I'm coming to you from the hospitality room today. I, I call it the family room here at the church. And like you can tell, there's construction going on around us. But I'm excited about this space. I'm excited about every space in this building. You know, we've been here nearly a year. And one of the things we're learning about the construction process is the time that it takes. But you can't get impatient. You cannot throw in the towel. You can't quit. You can't say, when is this going to be done? You got to stick with it. Man, you have got to stay with it. And just like Jesus, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever, you and I got to be like that. Be consistent. Be faithful, just like He's faithful. And if we'll stick with it, stay with the work, it won't be long. It'll be completed and we'll be together. Um, you know, we've been in the sanctuary or coming to you from the sanctuary and talking about what it means to be in the middle of this renovation and transformation project. And the Lord's been so good. He's been so gracious to us to use what's going on around us to paint a picture of what's supposed to be going on inside of us, in our hearts and in our minds. And Sarah, I thought, just did an absolutely wonderful job last week talking about the sanctuary. And man, when that girl starts talking about the church, when she starts talking about the sanctuary, you can see tears just begin to well up in her eyes. It's so passionate on the inside of her. It's so real inside of her. And she, she talked to us perfectly about what is supposed to be happening in the sanctuary, in God's house and the flow and the river of life coming out of that place and coming out of us because that's who we are. We are His sanctuary. And I want to keep going in this today, in this series that we've been in, Renovation and Transformation, using this natural uh, renovation project to paint a picture of what's supposed to be taking place in us spiritually and in our lives every day. And our foundation scripture has been from the book of Romans chapter 12. And I'll read it to you again in verse 2. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, how? By the renewing of your mind. Now again, that word renewing, when you look it up, it literally means renovation. It's exactly what's going on in this room throughout this entire building. It's a renovation project. And he said, that's supposed to be what's happening in your mind, in the way you think. There is a renovation, a remodeling, a renewing that's supposed to be taking place. And when you allow that to take place, look what happens. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's the result of going through this renovation process. Again, he said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This life transformation only comes as a result of mind renovation. If you will let the word of God go to work in you, change the way you think, the result will be total and complete life transformation. You know why people, you hear people a lot say, you know, people just don't change. People just don't change. Well, one of the reasons people don't change is because you can't get them to change the way they think. But if people would change the way they think, and if they renew and renovate their mind according to the word of God, they would change. It would result in total life transformation. And we're not, I'm not talking about just little changes here and there. I'm talking about being totally unrecognizable to who you used to be. That's the power of the Word of God. And that's the kind of transformation we can experience in this life if we'll let our minds go through this renovation, remodel, and renewing process. So that's why we've been talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks. And if you've missed any of it, just go back to the Legacy Church podcast. They're all there for you. It's all free. Listen to it and hear it again and again and again. And even if you've heard all of it, hear it again and hear it again and get this word down on, down on the inside of you. And then be a doer of the word you've heard. A couple of weeks ago, that's what we talked about. We talked about repairing the foundation, fixing the foundation of our lives. And just like we got to make sure this building has a solid foundation, your life needs a solid foundation. And what Jesus told us was the person who builds their house on the rock 
is the one who comes to him, hears what he says, hears his word, and then does what he says. The doers of the word are the ones whose lives are built upon the rock, the solid foundation. But I want to go on in this today. And I'm so excited about this. This is so God. This is so God. I mean, I, I couldn't have planned this out if I'd thought about it weeks ago. But we just listen to the Lord week after week after week. Where do we go this week, Lord? What do you want to say to the church this week? And it came up in my spirit strong this week as I was preparing to come to you. Just to come back here to Romans chapter 12. Take what we've seen in verse 2 right? The transformation of our lives that comes from the renovation of our minds. But keep reading. Oh, there's good advice. That, that's probably some of the best uh, spiritual advice I could give you as a pastor. Keep reading. Just keep reading. I mean, I think questions that people have about scriptures, things they don't understand from the word of God, if you just keep reading, it'll all be clear. So let's keep reading today taking what he said in verse two about the renovation of our mind, changing the way we think, and that transforming the way we live. Don't forget how the New Living Translation says it. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now listen to what he says in verse three. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Back up to what he said again in the verse, first part of this verse. I say, through the grace given to me. What's that mean? That means whatever's about to come out of the mouth of Paul, writing this to this church, is not something that came out of his head it came out of God's heart. That's what he means when he said, I'm saying this through the grace that was given to me. This is not coming out of my head. This is coming out of his heart. And as a minister, as your pastor, that's what I want to be able to stand in this pulpit and say to you week after week after week. I'm saying this by the grace that's come to me, by the grace that's been given to me. This is not coming out of my head. This is coming out of his heart. So if you receive it like that, it changes the way you hear it. If you approach the word like that, it will change the way you hear it and it'll change the way you value it. You'll stop hearing it as just something Jeremy said or Sarah said or whoever's standing behind this platform, this pulpit. You'll start hearing it as something that came from the heart of God out of God's own mouth. That's what Paul was saying. I'm saying this by the grace that was given to me. And then notice what he said. I'm saying it to everyone who's among you. I'm telling this to everybody. So whatever he's about to say, he's saying to everyone, not a select group, not an individual, not two or three, to everyone. Now, why would he be saying it to everyone? Because everyone needs to hear it. And if everyone in that church needed to hear it, I guarantee you this, everyone in this church needs to hear it. So he said, I'm saying this to you by the grace given to me, to everyone who's among you. What is it that he's saying? Not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Now remember, this is verse three. Help me out here. What verse is right before verse three? If you said verse two, you're correct. Very good, boys and girls. Verse two comes right before verse three. And remember, what did he say in verse two? If you will change the way you think, if you'll allow your mind to be renovated and change the way you think, it will result in life transformation. And then he turns right around in the very next verse and says, here's where you start. Here's where the mind renovation has to start. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. And he's saying it to everyone. Why? Because everyone needs to hear it. Because there's something in the unrenewed part of you, the, the, the flesh that, that does not automatically gravitate towards humility. The flesh automatically thinks more highly of itself than it ought to think. He's saying, this is where you're going to have to start the mind renovation. 
right here. Change the way you think about this. He's talking to them about the difference between pride and humility. Now let's keep reading here for a few verses. I'm, I'm moving down to verse 13. That's where we're aiming. But we got to see what he's saying in between here. So he said, God's dealt to each one a measure of faith. See, just understanding that right there, that if you understood that, then pride wouldn't have a place in your life. See, faith is the great equalizer. No matter who you are, who you aren't, where you came from, where you didn't come from, how much money you have or don't have, none of that determined the faith that God gave you. God gave to every one of us the measure of faith. What is that? He's saying, here, I'm giving to every person, no matter, their, no matter their station, no matter their nationality, no matter their skin color, no matter how much money they have or don't have, every one of you get this measure of faith and this is your access to me. That's what faith is. It's access to God. It's how you get to God. And you didn't get more of it because you had more money. You didn't get less of it because you had less money. You didn't get more of it because you were born into this family or that or you're born in this place or here. You got it because God so loved the world that he gave Jesus to all of us. And he gave us the measure of faith. And that equalized every one of us. Put us in his eyes in the same place. Now, not everybody's done the same thing with the measure of faith that they were given. Not everybody's exercised it the same way. Not, not everybody's acted on it the same way. But he did give it to everyone. We got to keep going here. Listen to what he says in verse four. For as we have many members in one body. That's what I'm declaring over this church. We've got many members in this one body. God's plan for us is increase in growth in every area of our lives. But all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. He says, having gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us. And then he begins to talk about these different gifts. He talks about prophecy. He talks about ministry. He talks about teaching. He, he talks about exhortation. He's talking about those who give generously, give liberally. He talks about those who lead. But I want you to skip down to verse nine and listen to what he said. This is a massive, massive statement. He said, let love be without hypocrisy. Let love be without hypocrisy. Now, if you back up several weeks in this series, you might remember we talked about demo day. Do you remember that? How every renovation project has to have a demo day where you go in and you rip stuff out and you tear walls down. Well, you have to have one of those in the way you think too because there are thought patterns and ways of thinking that don't belong in the mind of the believer. And there are things and thoughts that exist in the mind that are literal walls between you and God. And what we identified from the scripture as what can exist as a wall between us and God is hypocrisy. Anything that's not true, any falseness, any fakeness, you remember what the Lord said to us that day? He said, if you want intimacy, it requires honesty. If you want intimacy with God, it requires honesty. Your closeness with him is only limited by fakeness. However fake you're willing to be, that's how far you'll be from God. But however real with him you're willing to be, that's how close you'll be with him. And he said here, let your love be without hypocrisy. If you've been coming to church here for a little while now, you know that we are focused, seriously focused on creating an atmosphere here that's full of two things. Who remembers this? What are they? We want an atmosphere full of faith in Jesus and what else? Love for each other. That's what we want going on in Legacy Church, Green Mountain Falls, Colorado. That's what this place will be full of. And when the time comes and these doors are open and you come into this place, I want people breathing in an atmosphere full of faith in Jesus and love for each other. But he says here, your love has to be without hypocrisy. What is hypocrisy? It's one thing coming out of your mouth 
and something else going on in your heart. And Jesus identified that in lives of religious people, people who should have known better. And he said it to them over and over again. Woe to you, hypocrites. Woe to you, hypocrites. In other words, this does not turn out good for you. There's no room for hypocrisy in your fellowship and relationship with God. And I'm telling you, there's no room for hypocrisy in our love and fellowship with each other. There cannot be one thing coming out of the mouth and something else going on in the heart. And I'm sad to say, Christians, we are too good at it. We are way too good at saying the right thing and allowing something else, something ugly, something dirty going on in the heart. Words that sound like love. Hey, brother, how are you? So good to see you. Oh, how are you? Oh, me too. Blessed. Highly favored. Oh, wonderful. God bless you. <laughs> and they turn around and walk away. And you know, I hate that guy. I tell you what, I cannot believe it. And you start letting something else. That's what's going on in the heart. And whatever distance exists between your mouth and your heart, that's how much of a hypocrite you are. Jesus said there are those that draw near to God with their lips, but their heart is far from Him. See, our love can't be with hypocrisy. We're talking about having an atmosphere full of love, but it can't just be words. In other words, we can't just be all talk. Legacy Church, we can't just be all talk. And we're not all talk. But if we're going to talk love, what else has to happen? There's got to be some action. We got to put it into practice. And that's what these next few verses are about. He said, let your love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Now listen to this. Be kindly affectionate to one another. He's talking about kindness. Now I believe what we're going to do in the next few weeks is really dig into that. Look at what the scripture has to say about kindness because I'm saying it out loud. Legacy Church is a place full of kind people. Kind people. People who are nice to each other. And you know what? I have to say that by faith because the world is not full of people who are nice to each other. But I am saying it in Jesus' name. This church is full of people who are kind, who are nice to each other, who show each other kind affection. They're kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. You know, that's another big thing to us here. That we serve each other. We serve the Lord by serving each other. God doesn't need anything that you or I could give him. He's not in need of anything. He's doing good. He is doing just fine. So how do we serve him? We serve him by serving each other. And that's how we have and create an atmosphere of love in this church through serving each other. But this is where we're headed. Look at verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. I want you to see verse 13. This is where we're going to spend our time today. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Now notice this phrase right here. Given to hospitality. Given to hospitality. Say that out loud with me. Given to hospitality. Other translations bring this out. I believe it's the... Uh, Amplified Bible, maybe I don't know if I have that here in front of me, but talks about being, oh, here we go. Verse uh, 13 in the Amplified Bible says, pursue the practice of hospitality. The New Living Translation says, be eager to practice hospitality. Now, this is so cool. We didn't really plan all this, but this is so, so God that he put us in this room today to come to you. We thought we were just going to change some things up. You know, we've been in the sanctuary. Let's show them another area of the building. But we came into this hospitality room and then the Lord begins talking to us about being given to hospitality. And what I want to talk to you about today is the hospitality mentality. Because it's a different way of thinking. To be truly hospitable is a different way than the rest of this world thinks. This is putting love into practice. To be a hospitable 
a hospitable person, to be a hospitable church, you know what we're going to have to do? Is not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. See, a prideful person doesn't possess the power to be a hospitable person. They can't show hospitality because they believe that everybody else should be showing it to them. They believe they possess such a place of importance and prowess and power that everyone else around them, they should be the ones that are showing them some hospitality. But if you back all the way up to where we started here, we're going to have to change the way we think. But if we'll do it, then it will result in life transformation. And isn't it astounding? Isn't it amazing to realize that this is what the Spirit of God started with? with the whole renovation process. Said your mind needs some work. Your thoughts need to be renovated. So let's start here. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Because if you think more highly of yourself, if you think you have a place higher than you actually do, then you will not serve anybody. You'll expect everybody else to serve you. But I'm saying it again. This church is full of hospitality. We are going to be a hospitable church. Now, I would love to believe that as your pastor and the preacher here at this church, that week in and week out, you would come to church and man, you'd hear the word that's being preached and you'd remember everything that was said and and you'd be feeding on it all week long and never forget a message and never forget a word. But let's be honest. (laughs) Let's be truthful about this. Many people will come to this church and not make it out of the parking lot with what they heard in service. I I know that. I get it. I know there are some that will hear it, and I believe the Word will be powerful in this place. I believe the Word of God will be so anointed that it will bring change to many people's lives. But I also know, because I'm also a person what it's like to go in a church and you sit there and you sing the songs and you hear the word and then you leave and you think, what did he say? What was that again? But I'm going to tell you something. What people will remember, what will make a mark on their lives that can stick with them for the rest of their lives is your kindness. You... Listen, church, you, in some respects, have more power to affect people, guests, visitors that come to our church than than I do as the pastor here. And I know I have a heavy responsibility to find out what the word of the Lord is, but you, you get to sit next to them. You get to be in the lobby with them and you have opportunity to show hospitality and to treat somebody like they're something, to treat somebody like they're important, to smile at them, to welcome them with a handshake or a hug, to make them feel welcome in this place, to show kindness. Now what kindness is, and we'll see this in the weeks to come, but kindness, the kindness of God It's the part of God's love that you can actually see. There are scriptures that bear that out, that talk about him showing the riches of his grace in his kindness. See, his kindness is the part of his love that you can see. So if we're going to love without hypocrisy, there's going to have to be words of love, but then there's going to have to be this other part of it that you actually see, actions that back up the words. Uh, I want us to look at this quickly in the Old Testament. Go back with me to 2 Samuel chapter 9. And we are going to come back to this particular scripture quite a bit, I believe, over the next several weeks. We're going to look at something out of the life of David. And we won't take time to look at this whole thing today. Like I said, we'll come back to it. But David said something here in 2 Samuel chapter 9, and I want you to listen to his words. Just beginning here in the first verse, it said, Now David said, Is there still anyone who is left of the house of Saul that I may, listen to these words, show 
him kindness for Jonathan's sake. So listen to what he's saying. Is there anyone left in the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now David, years and years and years before this, had entered into this friendship, this covenant friendship with Jonathan back when they were just young men. And David had been called in before Saul. And as David stood there, I think it was with Goliath's head in his hand, talking to Saul, Jonathan was there seeing this and hearing this. And the Bible says that God knit the soul of Jonathan to the soul of David. And they became friends. And over the course of time, Jonathan, the son of the king, recognized the anointing on David to be king. But instead of pressing for that place that he could have called rightfully his, he acknowledged that anointing and that covenant friendship, it grew. And one day Jonathan said to David, as they were making covenant with each other, he said, listen to me, when you are king, I want you as a part of this covenant to swear to me that you will show kindness to my family. Now that word kindness it's not just niceness. It's it, the Hebrew word hesed. It's the covenant kindness of God. And Jonathan said to David, swear to me that as a part of our friendship, as a part of our covenant, you will show that kindness to my family. And David said, I swear. And they made covenant over it. And then time went by. You know the story. Jonathan and Saul both died, lost their lives in battle. David was anointed and he was made king. And here he sits all these years later on his throne. Here he is, uh, a grown man. And as king, he holds the highest place, the highest authority, the highest position of power in all the land. And everybody else exists to serve him. But what's he sitting there saying on that throne? Is there anyone? Is there anyone left of the house of Saul that I can show kindness to, that I can serve? Isn't that interesting when you think about it in the light of what we read in Romans 12? Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Even if you hold the highest place of authority, there's still somebody to serve. And David called in uh, Ziba who used to serve Saul. And he said to him in verse three, is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Now, Ziba began to tell him about a young man named Mephibosheth who was lame in both his feet and he had been run out of town and now he lived far away. And we're gonna talk more about this because there's so much revelation in it. There's so much power in it. But here's what I wanna focus on today. I want you to hear the words coming out of the mouth of David. Is there anyone that I can show kindness to? Is there anyone I can show the kindness of God to? And the reason I'm drawing our attention to that is because that's what I want our prayer as a church to be. God, give us somebody to show your kindness to. Bring us people that we can welcome into our hospitality room. And what that word hospitality means when you look it up, it just literally means being fond of guests. Being fond of guests. Now that alone right there, I lost a whole bunch of people because you are anything but fond of guests. You got somebody over at your house for an hour and a half and you're thinking, when are these people gonna leave? Hey, listen, I've been there. I know, but we're called to a different way of thinking. We're called to a different kind of life, a life of hospitality. And this is way more spiritual than you even realize. This is our witness. This has to do with our Christian witness to people around us. And like I said, there may be people that come in and they hear me preach, they hear Sarah preach, they hear the songs. They may leave and not remember a word of it, but you, you have the power to mark their lives forever with hospitality, with kindness. And this has got to be our prayer. The same thing that David said, is there someone? God, give me somebody to show your kindness to, to show your 
hospitality to. Folks, we are not all talk. This church, I won't allow it. We're not going to be all talk. We're not going to talk, 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 talk the love of God. We are going to talk it and we're going to put it into practice through kindness, through hospitality, through welcoming people into this place. And what we're going to see together, we don't have time to do it today, but over the next several weeks, I'm going to show you from the scripture the reward that comes from hospitality. And it's big. By the end of this, by the end of this, we're going to have people, you in this church going, hey, hey, I want to be on that greeter team. Hey, I, I want to be on that hospitality team. I want to be on that, that welcoming team that, that welcomes people into the church. And we're going to have a, a hospitality team in this church. I tell you what, man, we are going to have a group of people. I, I'm so excited about this. We're going to have spies. Okay, we're going to have people, spies as a part of the hospitality team, whose job it is to sit in the sanctuary. And when we stand up and say, hey, if you're here for the first time today, would you raise your hand? Let us know. Let us welcome you. And the spies that are in that sanctuary, they're going to find those people. They're going to see those hands that go up and they're going to say, okay, you're mine, man. I, I'm radar locked on you. I'm, I'm focused on you. And by the end of that service, those spies are going to make their way over to those people who, who are here for the first time. They're going to welcome them with a smile. They're going, to, they're going to invite them into this place and make them feel right at home. They might reach into their own pocket, put 20 bucks in that person's hand. They're just going to say, hey, listen, I don't know what's going on in your life, but we just want you to know you're welcome here at Legacy Church. Is there something I can pray with you about? And that person may or may not remember a word I said, but they will remember forever the kindness that was shown to them in this place. We can mark people's lives with hospitality. But it requires humility. It requires recognizing. How do I say this, Lord? It requires you and I coming into this place, being willing to be more aware and more attentive to the needs of others than we are to our own. And that's humility. That's humility. True hospitality requires true humility. Let me give you a couple of things here. Hospitality requires an open heart. It requires a heart that is open. You, you see this in the scriptures, even in Jesus' own ministry. His disciples came to him one day and basically tattletelling on these other people and said, hey, you know, there's people over there who are, who are preaching in your name and, and, and they're not one of us. And they thought they were going to get Jesus all mad with them at those people. And Jesus said, hey, listen, you're not thinking right. If they're not against us, they're with us. They're for us. But imagine being one of those 12. I mean, you are one of the hand-selected, hand-picked. And it would be kind of cool for it to be just you and Jesus, right? And you were the one. You were a part of the club. You were a part of that first group. And, and, and hey, there's not room for anybody else here. Hey, it's just us. But I am so thankful that those guys didn't think that way. I'm so thankful that Jesus' ministry did not end with them. But there was an openness. There's going to have to be a heart that is open. Are you willing? Are you willing to let God use you to mark the life of somebody else? Are you willing? Is your heart open to it? Because most people's aren't. Most people's hearts are totally closed off to being anything for anybody else, doing anything for anybody else. But I'm asking you, church, are you willing? It takes an open heart. Hospitality requires an open heart. And the Bible says, if you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Hospitality takes an open heart. Hospitality requires an open hand. An open hand. What does that mean? Are you giving? Are you a giver? And I want to see it happening in this church. That same verse that we looked at in Romans 12 talked about not just being given to hospitality, but ministering to the needs of the saints. I want to see it happening in this church. I want it to be commonplace in this church. You see somebody and the Lord speaks up on the inside of you and says, go put $10 in their hand. Go put, go put that $10 in their hand. And you say, Lord, that's, that's all I got. And he said, that's fine. That's all I'm asking for. Go put that $10 in their hand. 
Now, why wouldn't somebody do that? We all want to be a blessing to other people. So why wouldn't somebody do that? Well, you might look at that and say, God, that's kind of embarrassing. I don't know them. I don't know if they need it. I don't know what's going on in their life. And this is not that much. Well, listen to me. Two things. Number one, you're right. You don't know. You don't know what's going on. And God doesn't have to explain it all to you. All he needs to do is give you an instruction. And you need to be willing with an open heart and an open hand to be obedient. You have no idea what that $10, what that $5, what that $20, what that $100, whatever it is, you might, you, you have no idea what that might mean to them. There could come somebody into this church and say, God, if you don't do something for me today, I'm out of here. I'm done with you. I'm done with church. I'm done. And all, all it took was some hospitality. All it took was some kindness to go up to him and say, hey, listen, I don't know what this is about. I don't know if you need this or what, but I believe God told me to put this in your hand today. So here, I just want you to take it. I want you to be blessed by it. And you don't know what you might be doing to come between somebody and the pressure that's been on them. But are you willing? Is your heart open to be used that way with God? Is your hand open? See, this is what prosperity is for. This is what it's all about. It's about an open hand to minister into the life of somebody else. Hospitality requires an open heart. It requires an open hand. It requires an open home. An open heart, an open hand, and an open home. And I'm saying as the pastor of this church that this house is open. And we are open to anybody and everybody that the Lord would bring to us. People are welcome here from every walk of life, from every station. You are welcome in this place. And we will show you the same kindness that God has shown us. And I believe that that kindness has the power to make a mark on somebody else's life. I, I was thinking about some of these things, getting ready to come to you. And just thinking back over the last several years of the different ways that other people's kindness and hospitality has impacted me, has impacted my family. I was thinking about a number of years ago, Justice, who just turned 10 years old. He was a little guy, little baby. I'm not even sure he was a year old. And Sarah and I were getting ready to go on vacation. We're going to take him, our little family, on a trip. And we have made this a practice in our house every year. From the first year we ever went on vacation, we have sought the Lord about it and said, Lord, where do you want us to go? When do you want us to go? Because we have found out he'll pay for it. <laughs> we have found out that God is just as interested in your rest as he is what you do with the rest of your time. He will provide for your rest. He's big on it. So we found that out and we said, Lord, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? And this particular year, we, we got it in our hearts to do this, and you're going to laugh at us, to do what we called a spirit-led vacation. What in the world is a spirit-led vacation? Well, I didn't know either. I'd never done it. So we prayed about it, and this is what we got in our heart. The Lord said, go to California. We were living in Texas. He says, go to California. Okay, then what? He said, go, and then I'll tell you. Okay, Lord, California's a big place. And so we kind of prayed about it, narrowed it down to this one particular city that we were going to buy tickets to. We didn't know if we were going to be staying there or what, but we did it. We bought some tickets, some airline tickets to go out to California. And in the days before we got out there, I thought, this is crazy. I'm taking my family on a trip. I have no place to stay. I've got to at least book a hotel, right? So I jump online and I, I find this place. It looks cute. Uh, it's got some uh, beachfront, it, these cute little cottages. So I put in our information, credit card information, and I'm about to hit purchase. And I hear it on the inside. I didn't tell you to do that. <clears throat> the Lord just said, I didn't tell you to do that. <sighs> okay, Lord. So I didn't do it. I remember I closed my laptop and said, okay, well, I guess we'll just go. We get to the airport, the Dallas-Fort Worth airport. I think, well, I gotta have a car when I get there, right? So I jump online on my phone. I'm about to book a car. And once again, credit card information in, about to hit purchase. And the Lord says, I didn't tell you to do that. Seriously, God? 
spirit-led vacation. Do what I told you to do, and then I'll tell you what to do next. Okay. So we went. We flew into this city, and I didn't have a car. So I said, all right, Lord, where do we go? What do we do? He led us to this one particular car rental agency. I booked the exact same car I was about to book in Texas. To this day, I don't know how. I don't know why, but I got it for $800 cheaper than I would have if I had booked it just a few hours before at this other rental agency. Well, okay, glory to God. It pays to be led, right? So we booked this car. We leave the airport. Now what, Father? Well, okay, we found a little shopping center. Let's do a little shopping. That sounds like fun. Got some dinner that night. Stayed a little hotel right there by. Got up the next day. Lord, where do we go? What do we do? Uh, we were about, I don't know, hour and a half or so from the San Diego Zoo. So justice is little. We thought, well, this seems good. We'll drive down to the zoo. Got on the highway, drove over to the coast, drove the Pacific Coast Highway down to San Diego, spent the entire day at the zoo, had a great time. Now what, Lord? Where do we go? What do we do? I remember sitting in the parking lot of the San Diego Zoo, scrolling through hotels on my phone. I got to have a place for my family to stay. Lord, where do we go? What do we do? And this one hotel kept coming back to me. I kept being drawn to it over and over and over. And I kept thinking, I kept looking at it going, God, this cannot be it. One reason, price. This was a five-star luxury hotel. If I called the name of it, you would know it. And I said, Lord, this is so expensive. Now we had the money to do it, but we were not accustomed to staying in a place like this. This was not the kind of place. If I had tried to book a hotel before I left home, I would definitely not have booked this place. But it just kept coming back to us. And I said, Sarah, I think we're supposed to stay at this hotel. And we looked at how much it would be. And it was probably, I don't know, twice or three times what we were going to spend on that other one. But you got to be led. This is spirit-led vacation, right? So we had the money to do it. And we said, okay. So we booked it. We drove back up the coast about an hour, hour and a half or so, checked into this hotel. And all I can tell you is from the moment we checked in, for the next three days, we were so impacted by the level of hospitality at this hotel. We had never experienced anything like it. To this day, I don't know how they did it. I pulled up and got out of the car and they said, welcome, Mr. Pearsons. How'd you know that was me? I didn't give them my name. I, I really, honestly, I don't know how they did it. But just the simple fact that somebody knew my name. What is that? Hospitality. Now, on the other hand, I have stayed at other hotels where they acted like they were doing me a favor by allowing me to stay there with eye rolling and heavy breathing. You ask for an extra towel. Oh, okay. It's not hospitality. But these people and this hotel, from the moment we checked in, they treated us like we were somebody. Here we are, just this young married couple with this little baby, and I, they don't know how much money we have or don't have. They don't realize we probably just spent half of everything we've got just to stay at this place. But hey, we're being led, right? We spent three days there and experienced service on a level we never had. And what Sarah and I walked away with was this impact on our hearts and the Lord speaking to us saying, this is how I want my people treated when people come to your service, when people come in contact with your ministry. And I don't know if we realized it then or not, this was 10 years ago, that we would have a church someday and the Lord would say, treat people like they're somebody. Treat them like royalty. Even if you don't know who they are or where they're coming from, treat them like they're somebody. And that so impacted our lives. And I know beyond any shadow of a doubt that that was the hotel we were supposed to stay in. And I'm so glad we didn't book anything else. We were led by the Spirit of God right there because He used that as an opportunity to impact us with their hospitality. We actually got so intrigued by it. Sarah ended up reading this book that was written all about this hotel and their founding and their mission and their, their assignment and what they operate by. And... The, all the way through it, their whole theme, they, they, from management all the way down to somebody who's cleaning a room or picking up trash or parking a car, everybody in that hotel chain is empowered by the people who run it to make each guest's stay perfect. 
In other words, they have given every employee the power to make our stay as enjoyable as they can. What are they saying? Be hospitable. Just be kind. Treat these people like they're somebody. And you know, it's so impacted our lives that just a year or so later, Sarah and I got it really strong in our heart after having spent several years traveling in ministry and meeting other couples and pastors and people in ministry who were our age, serving the Lord just like we were, giving their lives for their calling. We met these people in different places and it came up strong on the inside of us. We've got to get these people together. And the Lord gave us this idea to do what we call the Legacy Summit where we got these ministry leaders together and these pastors from different places around the United States. And this is so interesting now looking back on it, but all those years ago, I think this was 2012, the idea the Lord gave us was to come up here to Colorado and to to find a house where we could put all these people and just spend three days together. And we searched and searched and searched online and we couldn't find anything. Uh, We were inviting like six other couples and including us, there was going to be seven couples, 14 people. So we needed a house that could sleep that many comfortably. And I was looking and couldn't find it. And I remember standing at the kitchen sink one day washing dishes and the Spirit of God spoke up on the inside and said, Google this and gave me this phrase. I'm telling you, it's never really happened to me before or since, but Google this, he said, gave me this phrase and I put it in put it in the Google machine. And the first thing that came up was this beautiful home that was available for rent in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, which was special to me because that's where I grew up going with my family. That's where I learned to ski and had great memories there. And here is this beautiful home in Steamboat Springs. Well, I get to looking at it. And this place is like, what was it? 10,000 square feet? seven bedrooms, seven bathrooms, full theater, full basketball court, hot tub on the roof, built on the side of the mountain, ski in, ski out. I mean, this place was amazing. I actually found it again online later for sale for $8 million. So I don't know if it's still for sale, but if you want to split it, I'd be willing to go. No, I mean, that's the kind of place this is, this was. And we thought, man, Lord, that's pricey. That's expensive. But I thought, no, this, I believe the Lord's leading us to this. So we had the one person that worked for us at the time. We had one employee. We asked her to call and say, listen, tell them what we want to do. We want to bring these people in, give them the dates we're looking for and just see what they'll do. And she ended up talking to him. And this is what the guy said. He said, you know, I've got some people scheduled to be in there on those dates but I can move them. I'll move them. And since it's towards the end of the season, I'll give it to you for half. Whoa, half. Now we could do half. We were a young ministry, but we could do half. And what we ended up doing at the direction of the Spirit of God, the Lord told us, He said, I want you to bring these people in. I want you to pay for everything. I want you to pay for every flight. I want you to pay for every meal. I want you to pay for every activity. I want you to treat them like royalty. These are ministers. Now, most of them, guys and guys, you know, families, husbands, wives, our age in ministry, young in ministry. No one's pastoring massive churches. I think probably everybody there pastoring maybe 100, 200 people. The the biggest one might have been three or 400 people. All of us young in ministry, but the Lord said, you treat them like royalty. And you tell them this, tell them, I said, thank you. So we did. And we were able to rent this beautiful home, got it for this amazing price, brought them all in. We brought with us a personal chef, somebody who would prepare these meals in this gourmet kitchen. We brought with us our assistant and we brought in somebody else to just take care of every need. While we were out during the day, we were having rooms cleaned. When they woke up in the mornings, we had little door hangers hanging on the door that said, would you like some orange juice? Would you like some coffee? I mean, we treated these people like kings and queens because that's what the Lord said do. He said, treat them like royalty. 
and we had the most amazing time together. As a matter of fact, as I was getting ready for this message, a friend of mine called me who's a pastor in another state. He was there that weekend, he and his wife, and we got to talking about it again. And he just told me once again the impact that that kind of hospitality made on them. You know, people are used to being invited somewhere, but then they got to pay to get there. But the Lord said, no, you pay for it. Pay for every flight, pay for every meal. And we did. And we were a young ministry at that time, just a few years old. And looking back on it now, it was, it, it was a chunk of change. I mean, it costs some money. You can imagine flying 14 people in and paying for that many meals and, and renting the house and all of it. But I remember getting to the end of that little summit after having spent three days and nights with these people laughing together and crying together and being in the word together. I remember flying away from that with this, this feeling of satisfaction that I had never had before in my life. And I said, Lord, what is this? Nobody got saved. <laughs> I mean, it's all ministers. It wasn't a huge meeting. There was 14 of us, right? Nobody got filled with the Spirit. There was no miracles of healing. What is this on the inside? And the Lord just caused me to know that it was just simply showing his kindness to people, loving on people that caused me and caused Sarah to have this level of satisfaction in our own heart. And then on top of that, I get home and I go look at the ministry bank account and it's like we had never spent anything. It was all still there. That's how miraculously God had provided for it. And that's what God will do for us in this church, when we commit to using the resource that he gives us to love people with it, I'm telling you, there will be more and more and more than enough if we're willing to live with an open heart, an open hand, and an open home. A couple of years after that, we got together again. By that time, we had our own property. We had our own building. We had a larger staff and we were able to invite more people. It wasn't just six couples. I think it was something like 12 or 13. We had pushing 30 people there at our legacy summit. And this time we took our staff and these are people who are helping us run this ministry. These are people who are running our television broadcast and operating our finances. These are people who in our lives and in our world have a high place and a, and a place and a position with us. And we said, here's what you, we want you to do. We want you to treat these people coming into this place like royalty. And, and it, it nearly moves me to tears again to think about it. I mean, I could show you pictures of this. People gathered together in our ministry headquarters there. We did the same thing again, brought them in, fed them, loved on them, fed them the word of God, laughed together, cried together, showed hospitality to these people. And every one of our staff, they, they put on, literally put on the clothes of a servant. I mean, we, they all came dressed like they were waiters and waitresses at a five-star restaurant. And you know what they did? They served these people day after day after day. And we drove them and we, we blessed them and we fed them and we housed them and everything we could do to be a blessing and to just show the kindness of God to these people, to minister to God's ministers. And it still touches my heart to this day when I think about our staff who literally put on the clothes of a servant, a waiter, a waitress. And it reminds me of Jesus himself. The scripture tells us in the book of John, as he sat there at that supper with his disciples, knowing that God had put all things in his hands, knowing that he was from God, that he was of God and that he was going back to God. What is that? That's power. That's position. That's place. And the very next verse says, he took off his robe and he wrapped around himself a towel. He girded himself with the garments of a servant and he began to wash his disciples' feet. He said, I am among you as one who serves. And I'm saying it about this church. We are a hospitable place. This hospitality room. See, hospitality, you look it up, it just has to do with how you receive somebody. It has to do with reception. And there will be literal physical receptions 
in this room. That's what this room will be used for. We'll, we'll gather in this room for who knows how many different things, but more than just a room, you have to make room for other people. Make room in your own heart. Make room by opening your own hand, by opening your own home. And if you didn't know this about us, there is a big assignment on this church to do exactly what we did all those years ago, to minister to ministers. And years and years ago, we began looking for a place, our own place in Colorado. And part of the vision was, Lord, give us a place where we can bring people in. Give us a place where we can love on them and refresh them and minister your kindness to them. And so not only did God put us on this beautiful property with this great building, but we've got these nine cabins on this property. And church, I'm so excited about this. That's our opportunity for hospitality. That's our opportunity. As soon as we get this building in shape, we're going to go to work on those. And they need some love. I'm going to tell you that right now. They need some love. But we're going to invest in that together as a church. And don't be afraid of this. We're going to spend some money. We are going to spend some money on those places. But all of it is to open up our heart, to open up our hand, to open up our home and to bring ministers in and people in, missionaries in from, from places around the world and say, hey, come on up here, get refreshed, get in the word. Come listen, listen to God. You're, you're about 10,000 feet closer to him here than you were anywhere else. Get, get up here, get into the word, let him speak to you. We're gonna do this together as a church. And I fully expect as we talk about this together and you see from the word of God that com what comes as a result, the reward that comes from your hospitality, I guarantee you when it comes time to serve these people, there will be a line around this building of you, our church family going, let me serve them, let me serve them. I wanna show some kindness. I wanna show some hospitality, amen? But it's not just gonna start with these people Come, coming from places around the world. It's going to start with people coming from down the street. It's going to start with people coming from up here in Woodland Park and down there in Colorado Springs. It's going to be people coming right here from Green Mountain Falls, people who've never darkened the doorway of a church, who may not look, what, look like what you think a churchgoer is supposed to look like. Doesn't matter. You stand at that door with a smile on your face, with open arms, and you welcome people home. They may or may not remember what I say that day, but they'll remember forever the hospitality that you showed. Our love is not gonna be hypocritical love. In other words, we're not just all talk. We're gonna talk about the love of God and we're gonna put it into practice. Say it out loud again with me. Say, God, is there anyone that we can show your kindness to? Give us somebody that we can show your love and show your kindness to. Bring them to us, Lord. Bring them from the north. Bring them from the south. Bring them from the east and from the west. We open up our hearts. We open up our hands. What we have, Lord, you increase us and we'll be a blessing to other people. And we open up our home, this home, to people to come and fill this place up. Oh, I'm excited about it, church. I am excited about it. You can tell I'm excited about it. I hadn't shut up for an hour. I fully intended to talk to you for about 35 or 40 minutes today. Yeah, right. But this is a big thing. This is who we are. This is who we are. Kind people. I don't care what you think you know about living and walking by faith and preaching faith. and It doesn't mean anything to anybody if you can't be kind to them. In the same way that we've seen kindness shown to us, we're going to show it to others. And we're going to get into the Word of God together about this. And we're going to see some awesome things. Amen? Amen. Listen, church, we love you. Thank you for getting into us, getting into this with us today. I believe that we've heard from God. And if you'll allow it to go to work on the inside of you, it will bring change. We got to change the way we think about it. We, we don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought, do we? Do we? No. We serve people. And whatever's going on in this house is supposed to be going on in your house. Wake up every day. Lord, how do I serve the people in this house? How do I serve my husband, my wife, my children? Be a servant and it'll change the atmosphere of your home. We love you so much. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Join us again next week for service. Until then, we love you. 
We miss you, and we'll get together soon. Bye-bye, church. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, there are several ways for you to contact us. Feel free to give us a call at 817-577-0180. You can also contact us through the Legacy Studios app or either of our websites. Giving options are available online at pearsonsministries.com and legacychurch.family. If you prefer, you can also text an offering. Simply text LEGACY in any dollar amount to the number 28950 and follow the prompts. Be blessed today. We love you. And remember, you are always welcome here in the house of faith.